I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, April 16, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Once again, and real quick, we take it from the big picture perspective. The market's in an uptrend. We tried to go higher this morning. It looked like they were going to fill the gap that exists at 291.72. They failed in front of the gap, and they came down to finish very, very close to basically the flat line, unchanged, a scratch. The spiders were up 22 cents. The S&P 500 was up $1.48. That's basically a rounding error. Nothing happened at the end of the day today. Incidentally, that was one of the scenarios laid out for Inside the Numbers members this morning. We talked about the fact that they may just try and run up and appear as if they're going to fill the gap. They come up short, they fall away, and that's the end of it. Not necessarily the end of it, period, but the end of it for at least a little while. That turned out to be the case. We'll see what happens going forward. However, from a big picture perspective, nothing happened. The market remains in the same position it did yesterday. We're not going to go ahead and rehash the whole thing again. We'll just move on and we'll go ahead and look at some other things. We're certainly going to look at some other charts. We'll look at some of the intraday activity and we'll look at some other charts of some other stocks. We'll look around the world a little bit. We'll use the time wisely. We'll start off by going down to the hourly chart. Now here what we see in the last hour of the day, you see a big tail candle and you see us finished back above $290. What happened in the last hour of the day was called a shakeout. It's called a rope-a-dope, aka shenanigans. We'll come back to the hourly chart in a moment because there's something extremely, extremely important on the hourly chart. However, just to get a magnified view of what happened, we'll go down to an intraday 10-minute chart, and you can see here that the market came down after the gap up in the morning, and this has been a theme. If you look at this, and you well, we can go back to the hourly chart and see it better. What you see here is a theme of we gap higher and we creep. We gap higher, we come down, but we creep. We gap higher and creep. We had a sabbatical, we were actually down and we recovered here, but we resumed the gap higher and creep, gap higher and creep. The market is very, very quiet. The market is trading on light volume. The volume today was about 52 million shares. 72 million is the average daily volume. That average is taken based on the 90-day average volume, the previous 90 days. We always say this time and time again. The path of least resistance in light volume is to the upside. Never short a dull market. These are all adages that come for a reason. I didn't make it up. I'm just passing it along. Back to the 10-minute chart. Now, here's where you could have shorted the market if you were staring closely into the crystal ball and saw that the market was going to spend about the next 20 or 30 minutes scaling down. But most people couldn't see that. But look what actually happened. So the market gapped higher and we came down to retest the 290 level. It's also a gap. 
The low here in this candle is 290.01. The low in the next candle is 290.01. And the market started taking off to the upside. Now, we've seen that time and time again. And under normal market garden variety conditions, we would see higher prices. We would see the market continue higher. Instead, we saw a rollover, hence the rope-a-dope shenanigans or just simply the trick trap fool and frustrate crew if you're an intraday trader and you were buying the gap fill at the 290 level and you were holding thinking that was going to be a low for another day or so then you ended up getting taken out behind the woodshed likely stopping out toward the end of the day figuring oh no the market's going to fall into tomorrow i don't want to hold overnight i get it that happened to a lot of people, hence the reason for the rope-a-dope. That's why it's called a shakeout. Did I get shaken out? Absolutely, I got shaken out. Did I buy the gap fill? Yes. Did I think we would go higher? Yes. Did I think we would trade higher into the end of the day? Yes. Did I have to sell at a slight loss when we broke 290? Yeah, I did. I didn't want to hold it overnight. Who knows what was coming next? Now, here's the way I look at it. I took a small loss. I lost small and slow. It wasn't really a fast loss because I was in from earlier in the day. Not that much earlier. I was in it about an hour and a half. And I got to tell you, I really wasn't paying attention. I turned around and that was going on. And it was kind of like a, oh shoot moment. So it happens, but I wasn't paying attention because the market lulled me into a false sense of security it put me into a snooze mode because the volume was so light. I figured we were in float mode and I ended up being walked behind the woodshed and I ended up getting out before I got to the back. And then what happened? Of course, they turned around and at least from my perspective, made me feel like a fool. And that is the market's primary job to make as many traders and investors feel like fools as much of the time as possible. And as I always say, I am certainly not exempt. It's not a big deal, but I thought it was important to point out that it happens to everybody. And I know I'm not the only one. I did get a couple of emails, but let's turn it around and let's look at it a different way. So the market had a shakedown or a shakeout, whatever you want to call it. But what really happened when you compress it down a little bit, let's get rid of the intraday bantering back and forth, or at least some of it. And now we go back to the hourly chart. And remember, I said, we're going to get back to this one. I'm here to tell you right now that there are three reasons that are absolutely taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader that point to something very specific on this hourly chart. So we'll see what happens going forward. We know nothing works out 100% of the time, but that little shakeout at the end of the day might be telling us something else into the future. How do you like them apples? What's doing over in Camp IWM? Really nothing. Nothing happened. It was up a little bit, but certainly not a material difference from the SPY. So even though it is my favorite market leading indicator, we get no news, even fake or otherwise, out of the IWM today. It's hovering above all the moving averages. It's still on the daily chart, has to be viewed as an uptrend, but we know there is a lot of overhead resistance. There's a lot of overhead resistance right here. 
But what's going on is we're creeping around underneath the area where the overhead resistance exists. So what the market may be telling us or what the market may be actually doing is winding up building some energy to bust through the overhead resistance. Now, what's the easiest way to get through the overhead resistance? To gap above it. We talk about this all the time. It's on watch. We don't know that it will or won't happen. It's just something to keep our eye on. If we see a gap occurring, a gap to the upside in the morning, for example, then we take a look at some of these individual exchange-traded products, some of these individual tracking stocks. The IWM tracks the Russell 2000 Index. And I want to immediately see where it's indicated to open. Would it be indicated to open above this top pivot over here? Would it be indicated to open right at that pivot? It would be interesting to see if, in fact, we were waking up to a gap higher one morning where the IWM would be gapping relative to those pivots above. As you know, getting in my mind, getting in my head is a dangerous place to be. So I'm just giving you some of the things that come to mind as I bring up this chart. As you know, I always like to focus on the first or second thing that really comes into my mind. That's generally what the most important thing is on the chart as far as I'm concerned. That's treated me right. That's served me well over the years. So that being said... I gave you what I see in the IWM daily chart. How about down at the transportation department? So the transports filled a gap. Now the transports were up slightly today, so we get no new information. They're up seven points. We're on watch that they may yet again be a potential canary in the coal mine. I'm watching very, very carefully. But the transports are in an uptrend, so we need to recognize that. Just because we ran into overhead resistance at the gap at 10,850 and change, that doesn't mean that it has to stop, turn around, and go back the other way. In fact, and we bring this up all the time, look what kind of reaction downward we had away from that gap. Did we have a very, very powerful reaction downward, meaning the gap was very, very strong, like a big fat repellent? No, we had a very, very minor sell-away or sell-off from that gap. So that may mean that's not necessarily the final destination for the transports. Again, watching them very closely, keeping in mind that as long as we're above all the moving averages, we still maintain the uptrend and we can still go sideways and even come down for a little bit into the moving averages or let the moving averages come up toward price by eating some time off the clock and still would remain in an uptrend. So we just need to take the market for what it is today. Again, keep in mind, I'm an umpire calling balls and strikes. Any new development in the tech space, some traders will want to call this a doji candle, but look what the market's been doing and look how many of those type of candles it's put in and continues to just grind its way higher. So we're not going to pay attention to that. It's in an uptrend. And until and unless we see a meaningful reaction, a meaningful reversal, a meaningful sign or signal of a trend change, then we're not going to do anything other than watch it grind higher.
By the way, before I forget, let me pause and thank everybody who participates and posts comments under the video each and every night. I love the interaction, and you know how I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, only if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video and go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. Back to business. There would be a lot of traders anticipating the move or a potential move in the queues as a result of Netflix reporting earnings after the closing bell. Here's Netflix moving around a little bit after hours. It's been up, it's been down, it's been whipped around. That's normal garden variety Netflix behavior after earnings. But in reality, it's not that far away from where it closed out the day. So it's not going to be, unless it changes by the opening bell tomorrow, it's not going to be a factor in whether or not the queues have a big move tomorrow. Not to mention, the queues were up about a third of 1% today. That was outpacing the S&P 500. The Dow was up about a quarter of 1%. And the financials were up pretty substantially. We'll get to those in a moment. But the queues were up decently. We can't really take anything away from it one way or the other. They were just up 63 cents. Not a bad day, not a great day, but it was a good day for the queues. The financials. We've been discussing the financials. Look what's going on. They're starting to break to the upside at and potentially above these recent highs here, back from November and December of 2018. We've been eyeballing this. We've had our eye on the ball. So here's the deal. We know that if the financials are going to rally, it's likely we're going to see a lot of other sectors around the world, around the market, rally along with them. Now, we can have a side excuse for the XLF and blame it on interest rates, We'll get to that in a moment as well. It's something we do spend some time discussing quite often, the relationship between the financials and interest rates. So that's definitely part of the story here. However, again, you can't take anything away from the fact that they're up. Price is the absolute, and the financials were up 1.56% today. That's a nice big fat day for the XLF. Unless it's a fake out, That's not telling us the market's going to unravel tomorrow. There may be a different or separate canary in the coal mine, but right here, right now, that's not what the financials are talking about. Here's the TLT. We were just discussing the relationship between the financials and yields. What we're looking at here is an exchange-traded product that has 20 to 30-year treasury bonds in it. So these are the actual bonds. So when the price of the bonds fall, the yields rise. Interest rates rise as the price of the bonds fall. So if you'll recall and go back just a few weeks, when everybody was discussing the inverted yield curve, everybody was panicked about the inverted yield curve. We took a look at it. We discussed it at the time. Bonds were soaring. We picked out about 127.5% came up to, what was the high, 126.69. It was either 127 or 127.5, but either way, in that general zone was where the bond market, the TLT in particular, was not going to get much past on the north side. We talked about why at the time, and here we are at 122 about two weeks later. When you flip this around, this is what the yield chart looks like. This is the 30-year treasury bond interest rate yield. 
2.993%. It was about 2.8% down here when everybody was panicked about the inverted yield curve. They do the same thing no matter what the market is, stock market, bond market, gold, oil, doesn't matter. They do the same thing over and over and over again. Everything gets extremely bearish at the bottom, bullish at the top. In the case of yields, it got bearish and the price of bonds got bullish and we were talking about it going in the other direction. Now, Let's get back to the financials. So as a result of that, the financials are benefiting because why? It's built-in profit. When all of a sudden yields rise by the force of the market and we all have to pay more in interest rates for new loans acquired or loans that have adjustable rate interest rates, that's implied and built-in profit right to the bank's balance sheet and that's why banks benefit when interest rates rise it's not a secret it's been like that since the beginning of time i'm just the conduit of information the smh on a breakout we've been discussing this this is also very important and a good indicator within the tech sector now this is getting overbought it's a little bit too far too fast long in the tooth there's all kinds of analogies but look how far we're getting from home base. Home base is about 110. We're approaching 116. Eventually, we're going to have to come back toward home base or let home base creep up toward price. But you can see we're on a breakout. Now, we can still go higher and we can go a lot higher. It doesn't have to come back to home base. We can go up to 120 before that happens. But it won't stay this extended for very long. If we're on a breakout and we're in the middle of a melt-up and the market's going to shoot up to the gap and even through the gap, and I'm talking about the SPY, the S&P 500, if we're going to peak our head above or even to or through new highs, all that is possible, of course the SMH will be going up along with it. One of the reasons why the SMH was up over 2% today was Qualcomm. Look at this $15 move almost 30% move in Qualcomm just today. I think they had some kind of a settlement with Apple and that sent Qualcomm on a rocket ride and Qualcomm is a pretty big component of the SMH. If I'm not mistaken, it's about 5% of the total of the SMH. Since we brought up Apple, we'll see what's going on over there. And we don't have nearly the same type of arrangement we had with Qualcomm in terms of a reaction to the settlement news. But Apple is just going sideways, eating time off the clock, letting home base creep up to price, and can certainly push higher. There's nothing negative on this chart for Apple which remains in an uptrend, and if it has another leg higher, there's a gap above current price just short of 205, and then there's another gap above that. So if we got some kind of a melt-up going in the market, Apple would likely push higher into at least the 205 level. Doesn't have to be in one shot, but certainly could happen. And we should all be aware that I'm not suggesting we buy Apple for a run from 200 to 205, those certainly aren't good risk-reward odds. However, if somebody were long Apple and it got to 205, that would be an area that I would be taking some profit. Don't necessarily have to sell the whole thing, but it would be an area to take profit because it would be a natural area of overhead resistance. 
We haven't looked at gold in a while, so I think it's worth a look. We had a good trade on gold. We had a long trade. That trade is long over. Now gold is coming down, and you can see we're stair-stepping our way down. So let's take a look at exactly what happened, and then we'll look a little bit deeper into gold. So we had this nice down move, and they formed a bearish wedge pattern, and it came down again, and now we're just bantering, but we're coming down and stair-stepping our way, what appears to be at least to the 200-period moving average. But let's look a little bit deeper, and let's see what else we find. Let's try and narrow down a little bit more where gold might really be heading. Taking a couple of steps back, we look at the weekly chart. What we see is a lot of negative sentiment coming out of gold. I don't even watch the news, but I can tell you there's negative sentiment coming out of gold. I can just look at the chart and tell you that's what they're talking about. So here's the deal. You can see we're into the 50-week moving average. Under normal garden variety market conditions, that would provide some semblance of support. But where's the best area? Well, you know one of my favorites are former breakout or former breakdown areas. So let's try and identify what would constitute the breakout area on this gold chart. Here's the way I see it. So gold tried to rally up and it failed. So it stopped here. That's important. That's the chart's way of telling us that price level is important. So it sold off, it reset, and basically took off like a rocket to the upside. Now, you would say, or I would say, that's the breakout right there. That's where it broke out. Now, let's look for some further evidence. So we have this pivot high that comes in at 1265. So the next time up, you can see that on a strong day in the market, we basically stopped there. We closed at 1265.2 or spot two. The other number was 1265 spot one. That's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. The high of this pivot was one tick below the closing price of this day from the 7th of December. Not an accident, not a coincidence. So I would say that's your breakout area. Is that part art form, part science? Absolutely. Uh, that's what I see. I'm telling you what I see on this chart. So we're going to call that high 1265. So if I just put a marker at 1265 and went back to the daily chart, look how the story starts to unfold. Look how the puzzle, this little puzzle, just based on this particular instrument, gold. Look how this puzzle starts to come together. All of a sudden, I have an area slightly below the daily chart 200 period moving average. I have an area where the market bantered back and forth. So that's a breakout area on the daily chart. We just discussed this being a breakout area. There's your pivot high. So that's an area... I would be willing to take a trade in gold on the long side, obviously based on what's happening in real time and how it got to that particular price. But that's how I do the pre-work. I put it on my radar screen. I watch it. And if gold comes into that price, I want to look at it closely. I want to look at a variety of charts. I want to see if there's a trade in front of me. It's this type of process that we go through, whether it's a stock, whether it's a commodity, whether it's the S&P 500, and whether you're looking for an intraday short-term trade or you're looking for a multi-day or multi-week, even multi-month 
swing trade. Either way, we go through the same process over and over and over again. And that, my friends, is a wrap for tonight. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.